Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're today's Friday. We're back in the book of Luke, um, and we'll do this study today, and then we'll be taking a uh, a break uh, for the weekend, and then we'll continue our study um, through Luke on Monday. And uh, it's the end of a year of 2021. Tomorrow will be a new year. How about that? So, Happy New Year, everyone. So... Um, I think it's, you know, it's really cool that at this time of year we're in Luke and we've been studying the birth of Jesus and it, you know, kind of coincides with the Christmas uh, holiday. And uh, so there's still a bit of Christmas in the air. So it's been nice to study about the birth of Jesus and and uh, Jesus's mission coming into the world. We see um, John the Baptist right now. We, as we jump in... Um, here, John the Baptist is um, now preparing the way, and the first reaction of the people to John the Baptist is they're, they're saying like, you know, what are you talking about? He's talking about repentance and bearing fruit, and really he's laying the groundwork for the good news, the gospel message of Jesus. And even today, when we when we find relevance today, when we, when we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ... Um, our first reaction is, um, you know, it sounds good, but it shows us that if we just hear about the good news but don't really do anything with it, um, it shows John is telling him, you guys are no good. And it's almost like if John was here today, what would he say to us? Um, it's not good enough just to hear the good news, accept the good news, or even believe the good news, you've got to actually let the good news change you. You can't be the same. You have to repent. You have to repent from sinful ways. You can't just hear it and believe it. You've got to repent, and that repentance causes you to live differently. In other words, if you're really living for Jesus, you're bearing good fruit for Jesus. And if a tree doesn't bear good fruit for Jesus, it doesn't live for Jesus or bring glory and honor to Jesus, it's the same thing as, in, as a tree that needs to be cut down, thrown into the fire. So the crowds are sort of reacting to this. The tax collectors, the soldiers, they're all saying like, well, what does this mean to me? What does this mean? And then we see John telling them what it means in practical terms. 
and he's sort of comparing, no, I'm not Jesus. He's coming with the Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, he's coming with the authority of God and also the authority of a judge to judge you. And anything worthy of uh, the fire gets burnt up. So he is laying the groundwork that Jesus is coming as a king with authority. And so John gets thrown in jail. Um, Jesus' ministry starts beginning after he's baptized. We see an interesting thing here also that we'll be looking at in Luke uh Three, the genealogy of Jesus, and it's sort of a reverse genealogy. Like um, Luke traces Joseph all the way back to Adam, whereas Matthew goes from Adam all the way down to, to Joseph and Jesus. So that's kind of an interesting reverse, um, and perhaps um, the um, or or wait a minute, I think Matthew traces the genealogy. Um, from the royal line of David to Jesus. I'm sorry. So, so Matthew gives us that lineage for the royal line. Luke, on the other hand, goes to Joseph back to Adam. He gives us a lineage to more of the humani- humanitarian line of Jesus for all people. So it's not just the royal line of David like Matthew gives us. Luke gives us all the way back to Adam. Luke gives us much more like that the Greeks would be interested in it. Like, hey, Jesus is a descendant for all humanity. Okay, so uh, a little bit of that. Um, And then um, we begin to see as Jesus is getting ready, I think an even a very, very interesting um, passage is the temptation of Jesus as we begin to get into chapter 4. And we see some temptations, and I think it... We have to think about this, but there's a temptation physically, you know, like you're hungry. And then there's a temptation about authority and glory. And then there's a temptation about a challenge. You know, do something to prove yourself. And um, I think we can look at these temptations of Jesus and, and learn you know, they're basically, you know, what human nature would go for. Something physical, something um, prideful with the glory and honors and things um, and the kingdoms and all the riches and all the things, the pride. And then something... um, more spiritual or scriptural or um, something that, you know, to be accepted, you know, to prove yourself in another form maybe of pride. Um, I think we all seek acceptance and we all seek popularity and, and success and we all have our physical needs too. So these are things I think we get tempted, and it'll be interesting to read with this perspective. And as McGee says, nobody can resist temptation. There's, the devil has our number, but if we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can, we can resist. So 
with that in mind, I kind of gave an overview. As you can tell, I'm excited to go through this. Let's jump right in. Um, I'll just start reading. um, John, we're we're back in uh, around verse 7 or so. John the Baptist is saying, He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to to be baptized him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come you know he's saying like what do you who guys what what are you coming here for you're coming here to be baptized for me who told you to come to be baptized for me because he already knew that these guys weren't sincere they just wanted to come to be baptized to, you know to, for a show what are you coming to me for who told you to come to be baptized are you trying to to be baptized from the from the wrath to come to you He's calling them out. He's calling them out as sinners in their hearts. What are you coming? You're coming to be baptized, but you haven't even repented in your hearts. That's what he's saying. Half the time, say to apply that to us, half the time are we going to church with an unrepentant heart? Are we trying to look nice among other people, but yet we haven't dealt with our own sin? We haven't we haven't humbled our own self before God? He could just as easily be telling us, who told you to come to church? And what does he say then? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. You know, don't come to, don't come here just wanting to be baptized without, you know, repenting. Or saying, oh, we have Abraham. You know, like depending on Abraham to, to, to say you're, you're great. He says, we have a, he says, um, for I tell you, God is able from any of these stones to raise up children for for Abraham. You know? It's like, you got to have more than just saying you're descendants of Abraham. You know? you have. We're interested in your heart, not your lineage or your position in society. For I tell you now, God can take a stone and make that a children of Abraham. Verse 9, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Okay? He's telling them, the wrath of God is coming for you. Verse 10, and the crowds now, they're reacting. He says, well, what then shall we do? You you know, we're coming here to be baptized. What are you talking about? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. He's telling them to love one another. <clears throat> I'm sure he told them a lot more than that, but this is what it boils down to. Are you thinking of one another? Are you loving one another? Are you treating one another as you would want to be treated yourself? Or are you just thinking about yourself? And then the tax collectors came up to be baptized to him. And they said, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. People are coming up and saying, You know, look, I'm ready to be baptized. But they're not acknowledging their own sin. And this is what we are seeing a picture of. And how many times are we... It may not be to coming up to be baptized. Maybe you've already been baptized. But we're coming up before God. We're coming up before one another in the body of Christ. But we're not acknowledging our own sin. 
tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, what are we, what, what shall we do? Now these soldiers may be Romans, right? Roman soldiers, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know if Roman soldiers are going down to be baptized by, Luke, by, by John the Baptist. I don't know if they would be doing that. But <clears throat> these soldiers are, are soldiers somewhere. But maybe, maybe these are soldiers there <clears throat> who are kind of mockingly asking him. Or they're saying, well, what, do you, what, do you, what am I supposed to do? And it just goes to show you that if this is a soldier, and it probably is a Roman soldier, how amazing this, this John the Baptist was. I'm sure soldiers were there to come up and maybe control the crowds or something. And they're saying, well, what, do you, what am I supposed to do? Isn't it interesting that even the Gentile soldiers were curious? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. He already knows what they were doing in their hearts. These soldiers could, you know, collect extra money. Maybe that's why they were there. Oh, there's a bunch of Christians over there. Oh, I mean, not Christians, but there's a bunch of people over there. We'll go over there and take the premise that we are controlling the crowds, but we can work the crowds for money. We can make a false accusation on them, and if they don't pay up, we'll put them in, we, can, we can threaten to put them in jail. We can make a lot of extra side money. And maybe that's what they were doing. And you see John the Baptist directly answer them as to what they were doing. The tax collectors were collecting more than they should, and he directly directly counters them. And of course, the crowds of the people there were stingy in their hearts too. And he directly confronts them. He nails them all. Verse 15, as the people were in expectation, all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. You know, they're, they're man, he pierced them in their hearts, didn't he? John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize. Christ is coming with the Holy Spirit. You'll be purified in the Spirit. And you'll be judged. So the fire sort of represents purification of the Spirit but it also sort of the cleansing of the Spirit, but it also is judgment. Because you look what he says in verse 17, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So he, he sort of references fire there too. So we've got this... So again, my study Bible mentions it too, is the weather being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire will be positive. In other words, the coming purification fire of the Holy Spirit, like it did at Pentecost, or whether it's going to be a negative involving the divine judgment of fire. It, whether it's positive or negative depends on 
the individual's heart and the individual's response, the individual's repentance. So he's telling them Christ is coming. Christ is coming with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit is not coming just by itself or lovey-dovey. The Holy Spirit is coming with fire, and fire is there to cleanse. Fire is there to purify, and also fire is there to judge and to punish. Holy Spirit and with fire. And for those who are not pure, it'll be an unquenchable fire. So now dropping down to 18 with so many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people. But Herod, the tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. So in other words, John called out Herod and Herod's brother's wife, Herodias, who was in a sinful relationship with Herod, John called him out too. So he said a lot of other things, and then it gets back to Herod. Luke doesn't go into it, but the final result is John was locked up in prison. Verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had all also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So, Jesus is going to be coming with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. He's coming with the Holy Spirit. We have the Father here, the Father, which is a voice from heaven. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have Jesus. Okay, we have the Trinity here, right here. So now, um, and we, we take a quick turn here to the genealogy of Jesus. And as we said before, we go from Jesus and Joseph all the way back to Adam. Reverse order. And it proves that, of course, Jesus is from uh, Nathan, from the house of David. So we see a connection to the house of David and also all the way back to Adam, which Jesus is representing all humanity for the Jew and the Gentile. So that's an interesting thing. Um, but as we begin to, to enter chapter 4, we see the temptation of Jesus. We see that. And I think it's very interesting at this point. And so we see in Romans chapter 7, verses 21, when you try to do good, evil is with you. We can't face evil alone. Only the Holy Spirit can help us face evil. So in Romans 8, 3, we see a reference to the flesh is weak. And in Galatians, we see a reference that it's in the spirit we walk, but not the flesh. So the whole Bible is pointing to the fact that we have to be facing sin. We have to face sin, not alone, but with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives us a, a very vivid example, a vivid picture of facing sin, facing temptation, physical temptation, 
prideful temptation. And temptation for scriptural. So let's take a look. Verse uh, uh, 1 of chapter 4. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Again, we have the Holy Spirit right here with Jesus. Returning from the Jordan. And was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting that today that same Holy Spirit is with us. Are we walking in the wilderness? Are we walking through something rough? We have the same Holy Spirit with us when we walk. For 40 days being tempted by the devil, and when he ate, and he ate nothing during those days. He's getting physically tempted. Hunger. Weakness. Body feels bad. <clears throat> and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. You have something to eat. Now, I don't know how he said it. He might have said it a lot of different ways. But he said, Look, are you, you think you're the Son of God? You think you're somebody? Do something about it. Don't just sit there. I mean, can you imagine all the different ways you hear somebody say that? Prove yourself. Eat. Don't you have common sense? Follow the science. You can do it. You know, putting someone down at the same time at the same time you're challenging them. If they don't do it, they look dumb, and if they do it, you win. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Deuteronomy was a very respected book. It was the law. So he answers. Jesus sort of fulfills the time in the wilderness that the nation Israel couldn't learn. The nation Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness <clears throat> and couldn't learn the big lesson from Deuteronomy, that man should not live by bread alone. Moses fasted 40 days. But Moses failed. Jesus fasted 40 days and fulfilled what Moses couldn't do. He fulfilled <clears throat> He fulfilled what the nation couldn't do. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can you imagine what all the kingdoms of the world look like? The riches, the power, the fame, the glory. That would probably include all the desires of material and, and the desires of the flesh and all this other stuff. Could you imagine what all that must have looked like? And how he could have Shown it to him. I mean, McGee says in, in his perspective, this 40 days in the wilderness was constant temptation. It wasn't just these episodes. We're just lifting these things out. But he shows him all these things. And he said to him, 
to you I will give all this authority. In other words, he's misquoting. He doesn't have the authority to give it, but he but but the devil is a liar. But he says to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. It's not his to give. He doesn't have that authority. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. So he's tempting him with a whole bunch of things. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He's quoting he's quoting first Samuel chapter seven verses three. He's summarizing it that I don't worship you. You only worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So I don't worship you and I don't serve you. So Jesus puts the devil back in his place. Because it's, you don't have the authority to even offer this to me. Verse 9, And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are, if you are, Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Verse written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He's misquoting the psalm. Chapter 91, verse 11 and 12. He misquotes it. Because that psalm has to do with God will protect you if you're in the Spirit. It is not a quote to saying, if you test God, He will protect you. And Jesus answered him, verse 12, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Okay? And when, the, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. He hasn't conceded yet. The devil's going to circle back. And, um, but we see that for us, we can't do anything ourselves unless the Holy Spirit is with us. And Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God. And then one question, one final thought, you know, McGee made the point too, is that if Jesus was God, then there's no way he could have failed the test. So why did he have the test? And he did it, in summary, so that we could see just how strong he is. He did it to show us that we have a legitimate Messiah. That we have someone we put our faith and trust in who can resist the devil in every way. He is pure in every way. It's like taking a train and running it over a new bridge to show the people the bridge is okay. The bridge is strong. The bridge will not fall or fail. That's why Jesus allowed himself to be tested. It wasn't to prove himself to himself. It was to show us. It was to show us that the devil will never 
have any victory over him. So we're going to stop here. Um, this will be the last study of our year. <laughs> the next time we get together Monday, it'll be 2022. So from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali. If she's able to record today, we'll include it in the podcast today as well. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.